Welcome back to the Todd Duncan Podcast. A member of the industry syndicate. This is where success happens. Todd's goal is to transform your business and life through deeper connections, higher trust, and proven strategies to help you win and give you your best life ever. Here's your host, Todd Duncan. All right, so David, back to structure. So checklists, checklist. they're, yeah. uh, they're very important. My recommendation is if you hire somebody, um, help them develop the checklist. Uh, um, I, like, I'm not so good at developing my own checklist or you know, find somebody that you know that's a loan officer uh, that has a bigger team than you and ask them, you know, hey, can I steal some checklists from you? Um, swipe and adapt, right? You know, we don't, I don't, I don't recommend anyone write their own checklist, but. Right, you know, swipe and adapt. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Excellent. Yeah, I no. think, go ahead. Okay. Um, am I on? Yeah. yeah. Yes. So um, I'm reading your notes here and, and you know, you have your licensed LOA and just everything they do and then your licensed loan officer, everything they do, obviously the unlicensed LOA, uh, everything they do. And, and I want everybody to just understand whether you feel you can do it or not, if you're not running the business by checklists, daily checklists, weekly checklists, monthly checklists, you need to do that. And there's a book you might want to read. It's called The Checklist Manifesto. And it will set for you in motion the way to organize your business and more importantly, your team with the power of checklists. Because what does not get checked off does not get done. And we cannot run a high performance organization without things getting checked off. You know, Very I true. think some yeah. people think it's that it, that it, it would not let them be free, but it actually is empowering because empowering. It, you know it's done. And it also too, when you bring someone in, you know, we always say I can bring someone from the street as long as they're, they have good worth ethic and they're smart because I can't teach smart and I can't teach worth ethic, but I can bring them in and teach them exactly right. the business from a checklist. And so everything we do, every process we have is checklist. And I think that is so important, especially as you grow a team, because otherwise you become your assistant assistant. If you come in every morning and you don't already have those disciplines set in place, those checklists, those job descriptions, that one job in place, then you are then like, okay, what do I need my assistant to do? Every morning, that person needs to come in and know what their one job is, know what that checklist is, know what they need to do every morning. And I loved um, one of the speakers this week, and I forget who it was, they, when they meet with their team, they actually meet with them standing up and uh, versus uh, sitting down. And I love that. And we're, we're going to implement that immediately when we get back because that way you, um, you, it's fast, quick, but everybody knows where they are for the day. Yeah. And I love yeah. that. So, Crush, what's uh, one of your biggest mistakes, and uh, how would you advise people to avoid it? So, my biggest mistake um, that I would advise, when I was a loan officer, I, was, I always wanted to be a manager. I was like, oh, I want to be a manager. I want to be... <laughs> and so, uh, so my, you know, they gave me my shot. They were like, here, go run a branch with 40 loan officers. Oh. Um, so, I went from uh, having, you know, a few people on my team to running a branch of like 40 loan officers, which was chaos. And um, so I did that for three years. And if I had it to do all over again, I would, I would start and I would build my team first rather than try and rush out there to be a, you know, the next great thing. And um, I think a lot of leadership plays into that because 
if you try and lead people, I mean, first of all, you've got, if you're going to be a manager, you've got to want to serve your people, right? You can't do it because you want to make money or you want to make overrides on people. You've got to do it from, you know, hey, I want to give back or I want to, you know, I want to serve my people. Because um, if, you, if you're selfish with it, they're going to see right through you. Um, so what I think my biggest lesson was like, start my team first, figure out a little bit of leadership skills, keep refining them and getting better. And I think that we should all do that within our business anyway. Um, but that's how I would, that's what I would do different. Yeah. <clears throat> I think as I, as I listen to that, um, there is this, I think this wrong thought that more people equals more volume, therefore more, you know, production, therefore more money. And what we end up finding is actually the reverse. And, and you, the more people you try to serve that are in loan origination that do not meet a standard that every one of you should set, uh, chances are you're going to have a very dysfunctional branch. It may feel busy. It may at times get chaotic. And that is a systemic issue by overpopulating a certain job that you, you lead, like overpopulating loan production, hiring more loan officers is not the key to building a profitable branch. Right. Uh, the key to building a profitable branch is to hire fewer loan officers that have a greater and deeper dream and vision and coming alongside them and helping that dream or vision come true. And it would argue out very simply that it's fairly hard to help 40 people's dreams come true and make your own come true. Correct. But it's very easy to help four people's dreams come true and make your own come true. So for, for us, as we are, we're, we're working on a project right now that's called Building the High Trust Team. And one of the things that I know absolutely, certainly, without any hesitation whatsoever, is the models that are out there that I would recommend following are the models that have a lower number of LOs and a, somewhere between a 5 and maybe 10x the average production of any other branch in America. And that's when you know you have something special. That's when your people stay. That's when recruiting is a magnet and people want to come. That's when you're in the driver's seat and you're able to be very kind of selective and choosy and picky about who you bring on. And uh, no matter what stage you are at branch management, or, and or this is the same with leadership. I mean, you are a sales manager if you call on realtors. And, and so it's the same thing. 40 realtors can drive you crazy, but four can make you a fortune. And so never, ever forget this, this narrowing idea because nobody gets paid for chaos, nobody gets paid for dysfunction, nobody gets paid for drama. There's not an award on a wall for dysfunction. I mean, it's, <laughs> this is a people business, but it's got to be built with the right people or we're dead. Yeah, awesome. Excellent. Thank you. Right. Thank you, Crush. I appreciate Let's it. Give David a round of applause. Good job, <laughs> Thank David. You guys. All right, Ms. Vanessa. So Vanessa has, um, is, has had, um, we brought Vanessa on board because I loved her story and the fact that um, she started a team um, 18 months ago. Yeah. Uh, 18 months yeah. ago. And um, we, uh, you know, sometimes we talk about the best thing to, to always to do and sometimes we need to talk about the things that you shouldn't do in building a team. And uh, I think she and I um, had, had multiple, we had a couple conversations to this because it was quite interesting. Um, and I thought it was neat to, because it's fresh. You know, um, I know that Scott and David have built teams for years. So you kind of forget the little bit of the pain of their 
starting, starting that first team and what you do wrong and that kind of thing. So I thought it'd be fun to bring Vanessa on board and, and tell, have her tell us uh, what the last 18 months has been like and what her lessons learned have been um, yes. and, uh, and, and take it from there. So let's talk a little bit about it. Well, thank you so much for having me, um, Todd as well. I'm excited to be here. Um, something I've just, a little bit about my background and my story. I started in the mortgage business when I was 19 years old. I've been in 12 years, so I just turned 31 a few months ago. Um, is anyone in here a parent? Raise your hand. Parent, yes. So it, I'm very fortunate where we have the ability to provide a great lifestyle for um, our families and, and especially as a female in the business. Um, so approximately about 18 months ago, I brought on a, my very first assistant. And that was quite a learning experience because she only ended up staying for about three and a half months. I shared her with another originator um, and I was guaranteed her for a period of eight months. So when I was told by my branch manager that she was ending up going with the other originator, I was about to leave to go on vacation with my family. And then it was, I'm there running my entire pipeline. And then it was being desperate of hiring the next um, assistant. So I made a mistake, I hired um, basically a cocktail server. <laughs> she was 19 with no more, didn't even know what a mortgage was. So when I brought her on, I taught her, okay, so we have our conventional FHA, VA, USDA, just breaking it down. Um, she was incredibly organized, however, um, communicating with borrowers, emailing people, she didn't want to do any of that, and that's a huge problem. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise it was, I'm doing all the work and she wouldn't even check emails a lot of the time. So it, it was like, I'd have to go into her email box. And so it just seemed like double the work. Mm -hmm. um, we ended up parting ways and then I found my third assistant. And that one, I was much more choosy. I went and hired a recruiter, um, very specific of what I wanted in the job description. Um, you know, it's it kind of ask for forgiveness instead of permission. So I, I put it out there, um, not advertising the company that I worked for, got a lot of resumes. I had them do initial phone screenings because I was like, all right, I made two mistakes. I don't want to make the third one. Um, brought her on. The mistake with that one is she's seen the money I was making and she wanted to be a loan officer, but she said, don't worry, I'm going to be, you know, I want to be an assistant for two to three years. We have some time. Long story short, that didn't last that long. It was maybe about seven months. Um, at the beginning of 2017, she used up all of her vacation time um, on a long vacation. She came back and said she wanted to originate. And then it was, okay, I'm back again to square one. So on to the fourth one. Um, These guys are laughing. <laughs> okay, we have all been through this pain. Okay, these guys yes. are laughing because you guys. I, I'm, so, I'm thinking in my head the name. Oh, that yeah, yep, that was that person. <laughs> that was that person, and that was that person. Yeah. Uh, so if you think that building a team is easy, it's not. Now, one of the great things is there are now. Todd has done a great job and and helping to build that team a little bit better. And now that Vanessa's tied into the Duncan Group yeah. and High Trust, then we're going to do a little bit better. Yeah. But I, I really thought it was interesting because, you know, I think sometimes people look at um, the guys on stage and they're like, well, they've never made a mistake in their life. And it's like, oh, my gosh, that is so not true. So um, anyway, let's keep going. Yeah. So for the fourth one, I got very specific of I want X, Y, and Z. Um, if this candidate up front doesn't have these certain items, 
I'm not even going to interview them because I didn't want to end up wasting my time on other people that weren't going to pan out. Um, something else that I did put on my list was if I could find someone that was a veteran, because veterans are very methodical, they're detailed. I originate a lot of VA home loans, so I was like, okay, that would be a perk. Perfect. Um, and then I spoke to a few of my girlfriends that own businesses, and I said, okay, so when you're interviewing, people are asking them questions, what are some of the things you ask for? And the, the one uh, main question that stuck out to me was, is they said, ask someone, tell me about yourself. If they don't go into anything personal, she goes, that can be a red flag. Mm -hmm. um, something else that I did as well up front before even interviewing any candidates was Googling people, seeing what they're posting on social media, Facebook, Instagram. It was quite shocking with one of the candidates <laughs> that came from banking that I pulled up his mugshot. <laughs> Oh, we've seen some interesting yeah. things on Facebook. You always Facebook and Google those you're talking to to possibly hire. Because, um, yes, their lifestyle can tell you a lot about them. Well, and then also what they're posting on social media is going to be a direct reflection of you. Yes. I work with a lot of um, families, married couples, and if, if I'm hiring someone that's posting promiscuous stuff, that's a reflection of me, and I don't want to lose clients or business over that. Mm -hmm. So the fourth one, um, she came in, she was super spunky, but very about business, you know, she nailed the interview. Um, and then, but something else I did this time around, it was I had other people in my office also meet with her just to get their perspectives as well because sometimes as originators, we get so excited, we're in seals, we think this person's great, but just to step back and have someone else's opinion as well, that's something that's valuable. You know, and that is a huge valuable point. Um, one of the things that we've learned in our office is I tend to, because I'm a high I, I tend to hire emotionally. Um, that is my, that's just my nature. I like them, right? Um, I do go with my gut sometimes, but um, I, do, if, I do tend to hire emotionally. So number one, they, we have a rule that they interview at least three times, three different places, three different times, uh, and with three different people. But that third interview, I have specific people on my team take them to lunch, get them drunk. No, I'm kidding, I'm joking. <laughs> um, no, you don't do that. But you do take them to lunch because if they're out, they're, I'm not there, you're out breaking bread, it opens up a whole different dialogue of, of, of personality and such. And I have had my team come back and, and we were ready to pull the trigger and come back and say, no way. And I'm like, tell me why, okay. That's it. And then we didn't pull the trigger. So always three times minimum. You know, Todd has a saying that says, when in doubt, don't. Um, but always make sure that you do, you trust the people around you, the people that you're around you that you trust. Let them go outside the office with the not you're around and do the interview too. But breaking bread is always a good place just in the fact that it kind of opens up um, their conversation. Let me, let me just make sure you understand that doubt means don't, all right? There, there, is, uh, there is an untold amount of brain damage the human being leader experiences when he or she hires the wrong person. And so um, most of us in this room that have any eye tendencies are going to hire emotionally. We're going to hire on likability. We're not going to have the filter to really run through the what-if scenarios and where could be the problem and this and that. And so 
I, 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 I want you to discipline yourself to wait on the hire. And you wait on the hire to buy yourself time so that you can actually do what Linda's talking about. And that can be testing, that can be other employees, that can be, you know, interviews strung out over a couple of weeks, you know, and, and really, really see how it develops. To be patient when you're hiring is one of the greatest gifts that you could ever give the rest of your team. So the doubt mean don't is, that when doubt means don't, it is if I have any hesitation whatsoever that this person is 100% fit for the team, 100% fit him or herself to be on the team, then I am going to delay. And I can say things as easy as, you know, this is, the, this is one of the most important hires we're ever gonna make. I need a couple weeks to, to really think it through. And you gotta be prepared to see what happens in that two weeks. You gotta test your heart and kinda see where it settles. And there is no greater joy in the world to be certain as best as we can in building a team that this is the right person for the right job, this is the right time, this is the right move. And, uh, and that's a big filter. And the other filter that I use is, is how would I feel if this person went to work for my competitor? And would that be a threat? Would that be something you wouldn't want to have? Would, would that be something that would, that I don't really like that, given the fact that they could work for us or given the fact that it looks like they're maybe look, looking to work for them? And I, that might be the driving force to say I want them. But if they're in that analogy is, all right, no worries. They were never right for you anyway, right? So the people piece of the business is by far most important. And so hire slow. Hire slow. Hire slow. One of the other points that I, that, um, I have heard in the industry that was actually great is, you know, sometimes you hire someone and their grammar skills are horrible or whatever, and you don't realize that because you... Mm -hmm don't get it. So have them send you an email um, to you, to you uh, just about themselves, but you want it in an email so that you want to make sure that there are just have them come to your computer while they're there and have them just start typing something and send it to you, whatever it is, so that you know on the spur of the moment they can type out an actual email because we've had that problem before. They're like, oh, every time we look at it and you just, oh, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I know you guys have seen this, okay? So, you know, those are, but, but do trust the people around you that have your best interests of heart. If they say no, then, then pass on it too. Scott? If I could just say something on this, I, I wish I could remember what book I got it from. Um, interview with your spouse or with their spouse. This oh, has become a big game changer for us in our business. I always do one of those three interviews, either with my spouse or with their spouse. Oh, and awesome. I can't tell you how many times we've been interviewing a loan officer and they've said all the right things. We go out to dinner, get a couple glasses of wine and their wife, and she just spills the beans on, he's been at four companies and he's oh. an asshole. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, he was so polished in the interview. Excuse I me, I know I was supposed to cuss. That. I'm in big trouble now. I cussed on stage. But, um, you know, my wife has a very, very intuitive feel 
for people's ability to follow up. And I'm the same way. I'm a high D, high I. I'm like, oh, I like this guy. He's going to change yeah. the world. And then my wife says, hey, you realize he lost his valet ticket. He showed up late. He didn't pull out his chair for his wife. Like, you can't hire that guy. He's going to destroy your business. So interviewing with your spouse or with their spouse has a been a game point. changer for us. I love that. I absolutely. And you're right because your, your spouse will have your back too. And they will look past the what the gloss and the glitter that because we're so excited about hiring them yeah that's a great point and one other thing i mean uh when they sit down with you that's the best they're ever going to be right they're so they're at a job time. interview the first that is the best they're ever going to be so if you if you're not happy i would avoid it and if they tell you your weakness believe them <laughs> And one other thing in regards to the email. So with uh, my current assistant, I had it down to her and someone else. I sent them both emails and asked, why should I hire you? Um, Kayla that. put together a very detailed email. Um, it was a few paragraphs long. Grammar was correct because what I was looking for is, how is she communicating with me? That's how she's gonna be communicating with my clients. And she put it all in one email. The other girl sent me seven different emails and then sent me text messages as well. So it was very scattered. It, it was all over the board. So right off the bat, right there, it just helped confirm my hiring decision. Um, and th that's that. the most important. Okay, so we're going to come back yeah. to you. Okay, sorry. We, we that's got, okay. totally got sidetracked, but there was important points. All right, so now we're on assistant number four. So Correct. tell me what happened. Yep, so she's still with me. Um, in the meantime, I hired on a junior. I met him at a gala. You know, I love going to networking events. Um, he was very personable, chatting with people. Um, he was in the business for about a year and a half. He had knowledge, you know, lots of government knowledge. I'm like, okay, great, this, this works out good because I have a ton of conventional business and some of my other stuff I can refer out to him. Um, he kept going to other networking events, running into my agents, and they're like, but, you know, he was trying to solicit them for business, and then he just kept hearing my name in the Minnesota market. Um, so long story short, he kept pursuing me to become on my team. I ended up hiring him. And it was very ironic of how you think someone's work ethic can be, and then once you actually bring them on the team of how drastic of a difference it can. Mm -hmm. So it was coming into work later and later and later. Um, you know, he would, he would still go on some calls. Um, I would go with him to his realtor meetings. Um, but something I always noticed is he never um, asked for business. It was just more social hour. And if I'm taking time, especially away from my kids or family, you know, that needs to be very intentional, specific. I'm going there to get the business. I'm doing research on those agents, finding out what their volume is, you know, how many transactions they've closed. And for him, he wasn't doing any of that. So... Um, in retrospect, you know, with looking for another junior, I thought about it and I was like, you know what, I'm not going to do that this time. Right now it's going to be a dialer and someone that can take those applications and set those appointments. Um, just being more intentional and focused on where I really want my business to go. Um, and then also stepping back and doing a new business plan. So I did, I wrote some some notes. Um, so here's some takeaways for everyone. If you're looking at building a team, number one, do a written business plan. You know, figure out where do you want to be for your year deduction and volume. Um, how many units do you need to close? Go back, figure out your average loan amount and work backwards. How many referral partners are you going to need to get to close that? Um, but then also, how many loans can you handle before you need to hire additional support staff? And then be slow to hire and be very thorough, get extra guidance um, from mentors, coaches, et cetera. But that leads into number two is um, a coach mentor. 
you know, that it really should be number one. Um, I found a mentor and love Cindy, you know, but especially as a female in the industry, for, for females out there, if you can find someone that's a female that's been there before you, because um, something that I really struggled with was, you know, it's easy to listen to advice from men, but I wanted a female that's had kids, that's been in the business, that's led the path. So if you can find someone like that, you know, and especially with, you know, coaching and a mentor, definitely do that. It, if I would have done that sooner in my career, I would be further than where I am right now. Um, and then third is show your team gratitude. Um, you know, before, you know, I had my team members, I was known in the office as, you know, I was kind of like the low Nazi, very like intense, you know, with all the processors, not really saying thank you. And with my team now, especially um, with Kayla and Ann, is find out what their passions are, what's important to them, um, you know, gifts, you surprise them, but say thank you. If they kill it on a file, let them know that they did that um, because people are going to it's really going to resonate with them. And Kayla left, what's so ironic about her is I'm her fourth loan officer and she's my fourth assistant, but she left the place she was at because she was never thanked. It was, she never was shown any gratitude. She was excluded from things. So, and she's a veteran, but it falls under, you know, keep your team informed. Give them information. Don't keep them in the dark. Um, you know, in the past I did that with assistants. So one one of the things that is uh, that that's um, out in the uh, the ether world on research on teams is that um, roughly two thirds of employees feel underappreciated, and so one of the things that we need to understand is compensation has both physical elements and emotional elements, and some of the emotional compensation is having people feel appreciated yeah. and 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 that that the leader has gratefulness for the the person on the team and and those soft skills are oftentimes overlooked because we're leading from a position of of title instead of relationship and make no mistake about it leadership is a relationship uh leadership is influence and uh you know at the end of the day if you don't have relationship here, here's something that's interesting you can't you can't move somebody on your team to a different way of physically doing something or being something if you don't, first of all, have an emotional connection with them. So as you build teams, it's really important to, to get to know the person, to deepen the relationship. And, and that's why this interviewing thing is so important and, and why I think probably one of the classic mistakes that is made in team building is the mistake of under interviewing. And so I'm gonna ask you to write down two things right now that you can asterisk and Google uh, as a kind of a follow-up to this team building panel. Uh, the first thing I'd ask you to do is research uh, a white paper. It's called The Art of Interviewing, and it's by Dr. Thomas Shrewsbury, S-H-R-E-W-S-B-E-B-U-R-Y. Dr. Thomas Shrewsbury, he's a uh, organizational psychologist, and this paper is about 20 years old, and it is ripe with the stuff that really builds a world-class organization. The second thing I'd ask you to research is a Fast Company article. It's called He Breeds Dodger Blue, and it's about the Los Angeles Dodgers and, and how they build championship teams, and you can see them on a tear right now, and 
uh, and, and that article, He Breeds Dodger Blue, is from a GM standpoint on how to build a world-class team. And so somebody said on Tuesday or, or Wednesday that part of what we can really do to be successful in this business is to borrow ideas from outside the industry. And to borrow ideas from how to build a world-class baseball team is a very, very powerful way to build your own teams, okay? All right, we got a couple minutes. Uh, what was your... Why don't you take us home, Vanessa? Yeah, go ahead. One of the biggest pieces that I would just say is, you know, be vulnerable with your team. My three previous assistants, I was so closed down, I wouldn't let them into my personal life. Um, and ex especially with uh, coaching over the past year, that's really helped me become more softer and let people see who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, not just being so closed off. I mean, if you were to ask my friends or people that would know me to where I am now, to where I was a year ago, year and a half ago, they'd be like completely different, more softer, sensitive. But vulnerability with the team is even letting them know, you know, like, hey, my kid's birthday, it's finding out when their birthdays are, what's important to them. You know, like my current assistant, um, she's really into the astrology signs and she's taught me so much for that where she'll come in literally with the book and she's like, this is you to a T. You know, but then even finding out, well, okay, she's really into that. I better read up on her, you know, because what are, what are things that make her tick? What are important? Mm -hmm. um, and she, something that she always does is she's very thoughtful. She will go around and get people gifts in the office, you know, like birthday cakes and stuff like that. So it's, oh, that's important to her. So when those things come around for her, I'm going to want to do that as well. And wherever I travel, I, the big thing is a hurricane glass from Hard Rock. Mm -hmm. So it's... I was bringing stuff back and thinking them. Special touch. I love it. It is, yeah. 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 Because it, they're going to remember that, and, and that's are. more important than it is, absolutely. paying them more. We have a curator of fun in our team. You know, one, it was one of those BFO moments that hits you and says, you know, I'm not the person that is the fun person in the team. It's okay, but it just, I'm not. So we have the mom of the group, and she is the curator of fun. She makes sure we have fun all year, and the birthdays are, are celebrating the anniversaries and everything. And, you know, it doesn't always have to be you, but no. always make sure that, that is, your team is recognized um, in, in that, that it's special because um, people are going to remember that. Yeah, and something I would recommend doing is like some type of team building exercise. Yeah. You know, they love wine, so we're going to do a wine tasting. Um, awesome. And we're putting together a masquerade party that's going to benefit a charity to raise money for veterans impacted by Harvey. So she's very passionate about that, and it's right. cool seeing people get passionate about things besides just closing loans because we're all right. human beings behind it. Yeah, exactly. Cool, cool. Yeah. All right, you know what I'm going to do right now? What? I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. For her or me? So that, but it's, it's, part, it's, part of, uh, it's part of this whole team building. So I, I coach Linda, and, and we're, we're really great friends, but she's in our elite program, and, and we coach. And a couple months ago, you said something to me on the phone about... What I suck at. Yeah, and so I'd like you to look everybody in the eye and just tell them what you told me the way you told me. So I... Do we tell them what yeah. I suck at? Uh-huh. Y'all want to know my weaknesses? Oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> All right. So um, I, 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 I. <laughs> <coughs> the exact words you used on the telephone. Yes. Okay. There you go. Look in the camera and let's do this. I said, you know, I really suck at that. And so I need to make sure that I have. Suck at what? At recruiting. Right. She I said, do. I suck at recruiting. I do. I suck at recruiting. I'm always wanting to, you know, to build the branch, and, but I suck at recruiting because I just, I feel like if someone 
wants to work for me, they should call me, you know. But anyway, that's, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, so um, anyway, you, you know what? The, that's the cool part is that you know, this is the, the funny part. Okay, and you said this yesterday, and we'll say it again. Your team knows what you suck at, okay? They really do. And until you recognize it and just say, you know what, I'm not really good at this, and then you shore up the people around you that are good at it, then no matter what it is, it doesn't matter what it is. So um, you need to you know, always have people around you that are better than you are in the things that you're a weekend because that is what a team is for. If they were all identical to you, then you'd all be like, that would not be good, right? So make sure your team that you continue to hire complements your weaknesses because that is what a cohesive team does. There you go, there you go. All right, let's give our uh, High Trust team panel a great round of applause. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank Good. Awesome. David, thank you. Thank yep. You. Sorry. Yes. Thank you, Mike.